In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. Hey everyone, welcome back to the all-new Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, the show where we talk about getting digital done right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. Every episode of this new podcast is made possible by our new sponsor, Top Coder. And as I always say, we do love our sponsors at OGGN because without them, there is no us. However, we don't just love our sponsors because of their financial support, which of course we, we absolutely need, but we also love them because they are doing great stuff um, for the oil and gas industry and technology and digital and all the things that are so important to uh, the future of the industry. So uh, Top Coder is no exception. And uh, so if you're not familiar with them, you got to check them out. Uh, the, these guys, they are the pioneer in something called open talent models. And so if you're not, you know, if you don't really know what I mean by open talent models, not gonna not gonna take a bunch of time on it right now, but you can go back to the first episode of this podcast, uh, show number zero zero one, and uh, and you will hear Clinton Bonner from Top Coder uh, telling you know a little bit about what they do. And don't worry, it's not a sales pitch because Clinton is also an experienced podcaster himself. Uh, he's got we we had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun, and uh, but in but in listening to that, you can hear not only about the vision. For this, uh, for this show and all the great things that we hope to be able to accomplish with it. But uh, you also hear, you can, you can learn about what Top Coder does. So definitely go back and listen to that. And by the way, if you missed any episodes between that one and this one, then you need to listen to those too because we've had some great guests. We've had some um, really good stories and insights and guidance about, um, about getting digital done in the real world. So, um, uh, and you know, you might be a, you might also be a listener of my other podcast, the oil and gas tech show. And, uh, and if you haven't heard that one and you just want to hear about cool technology, then flip over to that one. Well, no, finish listening to this episode, then flip over to that one and you can hear about all the latest and greatest in tech. And we really focus on the tech, but in this show, we want to hear about people who are getting it done. So, that is what we are going to do today. But first, just a little gentle reminder that uh, sometime, sometime in the next few minutes, as you're listening to this or when it's over, um, you know, go put a give us a review on your whatever podcast platform you like to listen to us on. What is Spotify, Apple Podcasts? Um, if you're listening on the website, forget about it. You got to go to to one of the other places where you can where you can give us a review, and the reviews are very important. Because that is how we uh, learn. You know, podcast uh, audiences are anonymous, kind of like watching TV. We don't really know who you are, but we would love to know what you think about the show, about what we're doing. Do you love it? Do you hate it? You can put that in the review. If you say that you hate it, though, make sure that you tell us what we should be doing differently, and then we can, uh, you know, we will take that and learn from it and get better. But if you do like it, then really make sure you do that because. That's how everybody else is going to know that this is worth their time. So please give us a review, not just on the show, but all the, all the you know, OGGN has, uh, we've got over 12 podcasts now. They're all fantastic. And that brings us around to a, our fabulous guest today we have uh, on the show. In fact, um, uh, this guest comes from one of my favorite companies, 
And uh, it is one of my favorite companies because it is the sponsor of my other show, the Oil and Gas Tech Show, which is uh, which is the good people at Cognite that I'm always talking about. Today um, on Oil and Gas Digital Doers, we have Carolina Torres, who uh, recently, I think, recently joined um, Cognite, and uh, um, and so so Carolina, thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for making time. Thanks. Happy to be here. Very <laughs> good. Um, uh, I know it sounded like I was going to run off and say some other stuff, but I thought I should pause and give you a chance to, to say something. So uh, a little bit of intro for uh, for Caroline. So I know that you're um, I know uh, because I looked at your LinkedIn that uh, that you are that you're leading energy industry transformation at Cognite. But I also know um, you kind of have this interesting story where you were uh, previously um, like you were the VP for like 20 years or something. And, and I, I think there was like, like there was quite a, an arrangement of things like digital and reservoir and appraisals. There was like a JV thing there. And then I, I think I also noticed that like once upon a time you were a geologist and I guess once a geologist, always a geologist. So, so what else, uh, what else do you want us to know before we get into the topic today? Uh, really good intro. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I did my uh, best. Two really, <laughs> I think two sort of underpinning things about me uh, that may explain all that hopping around that you saw on my LinkedIn <laughs> is uh, two things. One is I'm a futurist. Um, I'm the kind of person that can't help myself from imagining how something can be done better or how a technology can be cross-pollinated from one application to another or how I'm just you know curious about the intricacies of how things work. And I'm an adopter of new technology, so I really like to test new things on all old problems. Um, and that's kind of been a theme throughout my whole career and why I've, I've kind of had a very checkered career within BP, 30 years actually, um, working in, you know, starting out as a wellside geologist, then into projects, then into strategy and planning, drilling and wells. Um, and eventually, the, my last five years were in digital transformation. And I led BP's uh, digital transformation efforts for um, subsurface and wells. Right, right. The other thing um, to, that I want people to know about me is that I'm an environmentalist. And I know that that seems really counterintuitive crazy. to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, a 30-year career in oil and gas, how can you possibly? Right. Um, but there are actually many of us. Uh, and the world needs energy. And for many years, unfortunately, hydrocarbons has been the only game in town. But for most of my career, I've worked within BP to reduce the carbon footprint, regardless of where I was in the organization. Um, and BP has been incredibly receptive, always, even going back to the 90s um, on this stuff. So I, I think they're a very forward thinking company. And, and I loved working for them because of that. No, it's yeah, no, they're definitely. Um, it's good to know uh, because that's certainly how how the, it looks in the advertisements. So it's good to know that like the it's really uh, that's what's really happening behind the scenes. And so, um, so before we, I, so I want to get to to uh, and talk about that career at BP a little bit more. But first, I have to mention that I did notice there is this one little interesting thing that you left out of your background, which is it looked like when you first went to college you were studying geology, anthropology, and film. So, yeah. so that sounds like a documentary <laughs> in the making. I'm wondering, like, is that, doc <laughs> is that out there? Can we go watch that? So is that on YouTube? Can we find whatever, uh, whatever came from that? How did, how did, how did, all, how did all that go? No, I just tried a lot of different things. I'm an experiential learner. I yeah. like to, you know, dig into stuff. And I, actually my first major was drama. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and then I, I kind of went to film and then I wanted to make uh, anthropological documentaries. And then I took, uh, I was actually really terrified of math and science. Um, and I took geology because somebody told me you didn't have, you to, don't do have to it's not real science that's right <laughs> yeah yeah but you know i fell in love with it i was like oh my gosh plate tectonics is the greatest thing ever and i went back and started from you know math for dummies all the way through you know calculus and differential equations and eventually you know algorithmic thinking and everything so it just goes to show that if you're interested enough you can learn anything yeah, that is, that um, that's a great story. I actually, I you know, if I were to tell my story, which 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 thankfully we're not here for, for, to do that right now. But if I did, um, it is it's it's similarly um, uh, varied and uh, uh, colorful. So um, so no, that's that that's great. I, the anthropology thing is fascinating to me because I oftentimes wonder what anthropologists will think in the future when they study, you know, this particular period of time, but that that's a whole different podcast. Oh, yeah. so we're not going to get into that. Terrifying, terrifying <laughs> to think about them unearthing cat videos yeah. from TikTok or whatever. <laughs> they could be like, like, who are these people? I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the aliens will come and take us all away before that happens. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. And I want to get, so I, I kind of want to give a chance. This is a, we want to talk about stories about people getting digital done. And I think you have a story that probably starts in VP and 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 then kind of comes into your Cognite world uh, now. So let's start with the beginning of that. Um, not your not your whole VP uh, career, but you said the last five years were in digital, which means actually that you were probably right. Somebody told you you were going to be in charge of digital transformation almost when nobody knew what that meant, right? Uh, timeline wise, yes. I think that was pretty yep. pretty much right. So did you like did you go Google that after they told you to find out what, yep. what it was? Yep. That's exactly what I did. By the way, you're not the only one. I know a few. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My go-to place, I go onto Amazon and start buying books. That's what I do. And I just immerse myself in trying to understand. I've read some really good, helpful books around that. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much what I did. I Googled it and I read everything I could get my hands on, on how to, and really early on, I tweaked to the fact that it's not about buying tools. And it was very frustrating for me because the conversation was all about buying tools to solve problems. And yeah, it became really yeah. clear to me that it's not about that. It's about changing people's mindset, um, changing the way people work, changing the way people interact with data. Because you can buy really fancy tools, but if your data is bad underneath, right. Um, right. those tools are useless and you're not going to gain yeah. any new insights. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was a really keen sort of important early insight for me um, in my journey that you have to deal with change management. You have to deal with, you know, motivating people um, and understanding some of the issues that you're going to have with different groups of people, different personas in your organization um, and resistance to that change. Um, (laughs) Everyone says they want digital transformation, but people are really afraid to give up their power uh, which is, you know, things that happen in organizations. So it's really, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to laugh quietly while you're talking because, um, so every time, every time we have a conversation about in the, for the last, I don't have any years, we have a conversation about technology, digital, whatever, and oil and gas, um, before the end of the discussion, we will, there will always be two things that we will always without fail talk about. And you just hit both of them. One is data and the other is culture. 
And, um, and that is, and so, so I was about to ask you, so, you know, so after you bought all the Amazon books from Amazon and learned like what, what was, what was your takeaway? What did you learn? And that, that was it, I guess, right. Is it's, it's the data and the people more than anything else. Yeah. So I have this, I had this thing that I I called it in my mind, the digital transformation pincer move, which is about (laughs) (laughs) basically you got to get full support from the executives and from the users. That's the pincer move from the top and from the bottom. Um, You know, the executives understand that the the value of digitalization and modernization, and a lot of it has to do with efficiency, doing more with less, getting, you know, you know, better quality decisions, faster decisions, cheaper. Um, so they get all of that and the users are frustrated because they're doing a bunch of tedious data searching and validating over and over and over again, um, and not really doing the fun stuff around, you know, insight generation, the resistance comes from the middle and it's valid. I'm I'm not Mm. like knocking these people, but operations and delivery managers, they're focused on delivering product. They're, you know, their performance contract is on that. Right. And anything that's going to slow down production is really threatening. They have a legitimate concern like, hey, we're going to completely disrupt your process, but don't worry, you can under deliver your targets this year, said no one ever. No. Right? So these <laughs> no. people are really struggling. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? right. uh, and so that's understandable. Well, you're asking um, them to take a then, risk, right? Yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. just like yeah. it's just like in sales when somebody says, hey, to a sales team, now we want you to start selling this other new line of products. Well, they already know how to make their number on on the thing that they already know how to sell. So they're not going to be inclined to take that risk. The same thing with people who have to deliver operationally or um, in, uh, in, in or products, right, is um, what we forget sometimes is that by asking them to make this change, we're asking them to take a risk um, against their own, you know, success and credibility, because yeah, what if exactly. I already know how to make it work the way I do it, right? What if this right, new thing, exactly. what if this new thing mm-hmm. craters, I'm going to want, I'm going to be the one left holding the bag. So how, how did you, so how, how do you get past that, that problem? Well, it's with, the pincer the middle, move. It <laughs> pressure from yeah. above, pressure from below, and eventually, you know, uh, something's got to give. And, and I'm not wanting to make those people all sound like, you know, um, uh, folks that are not forward thinking because there always are a few and you identify those people and you really, really, um, become their friend and get them to try to help you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's, that, it's right. you know, perfect sort of change management. Um, right. Right. Philosophy so, to try so did to you have any of it? So did, it, did any of them come to you and say, Hey, this turned out great. Like, did, was there sort of a conversion, uh, among any of the, the people in that, in that layer? Yeah, yeah. I think there were several examples of that within BP. BP did a. Uh, it wasn't actually my my the first project that I saw succeed this way. wasn't really my project. It was actually a production optimization project mm-hmm. um, that uh, a colleague did, and uh, I was more working on well delivery, well planning, and execution. And uh, you know, eventually, they were kind of started first uh, around twenty. Sure. 15 or something like that. And we started in 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and then by 2019, we were really starting to see some gains and some change. Um, so yeah, we, we, we were getting positive feedback across all three of the layers that I mentioned earlier. Oh um, yeah. So that, that, that's good to hear. So there's hope for people, right? There's, yeah. Uh, oh, there, there is, but there you, is you have to be, um, 
you have to be strategic and resilient in the face of resistance. You know, you just have to keep plugging away at it and be patient with people. Uh, change is hard. It's hard for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So. We keep, we keep saying that, you know, I forgot to mention a third thing that we always, so this will come up in this conversation because it always does. It's really three things. It's data culture. And the other thing that we always, <laughs> always comes up is those pesky silos, right? That, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that cause, uh, that, that, you know, we've been saying in the oil and gas world for, you know, since time immemorial, we've been saying we have these terrible silos um, and we still do. And it's because of the complexity, right? Like it's not because people think silos mm-hmm. are good. It's, it's sort of how the whole thing is wired up and all the complexity and the size and all of that. But um, so you mentioned wells and production and, and did, did you find uh, with all these initiatives that you were doing at BP that were you able to start to see the sort of cross-discipline type of benefits that a lot of people have been promising mm-hmm. would come from all of this uh, digital transformation? Yeah, and and it's I it's okay to say it's okay to say I, no. I, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely, the journey. Like I said, I started back in 2017, and the journey was really interesting because the the first year, um, digital yeah. transformation at BP was all about functional digital transformation. So my first job was about. Mm digitally transforming reservoir delivery. Um, And Wells had a whole nother team and a whole nother group of people that were doing something totally different and we weren't talking to each other and they were solving their data problems and we were solving our data problems and Mm -hmm. our cultural problems and our digital problems. And the whole thing was just not working. And we were doing a lot of repetition um, and overlapping effort uh, which was very wasteful. Like we were cleaning up the same data sets, but differently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because we shared the data yeah. and, <laughs> and we awesome. were then also, you know, not addressing gaps that were really significant because, you know, we just weren't seeing them. And so the second, you know, there was just kind of an aha moment that happened eventually, you know, less than a year into the journey where we said, oh, this is not going to work. We have to do this by workflow. So we mapped uh, out the well delivery workflow from start to, you know, from identifying the target you're going to drill all the way through to executing the well and handing it over to production. We mapped that whole thing out. We identified the pain points and most of the pen, pain points were about cross-functional integration and communication and data sharing and a whole bunch of things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were addressing the wrong problem is what I'm trying to say. Right. When, we, when we came up with functional solutions, we were not addressing the true inefficiencies, which were around the intersections between things, not the things themselves. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I if, actually if, hate, so, so I love to hear you say that, but I also hate to hear you say that because, um, <laughs> Uh, not long ago, I read an article uh, that was written by one of one of my favorite, uh, you know, big big management consulting firms, and they said they said you know and this was just in the last few months, and they said oil and gas is not making progress the way they should because they're doing I think what they called it was was point solutions in terms of digital transformation, yes. and, and all a point solution yep. does is and so I hate this that they were right, but all a point yeah. solution does is it just makes one person's job a little bit better. But they said, if you really want to transform the business, you have to think in terms of end to end, you know, re, re like reimagining. I think they said that's a popular word now. Yes. Reimagining yeah. whole workflows. And my first thought was, sure, that's easy for you to say when you're sitting in your ivory tower, but 
you know, you get down here on the ground and start trying to like reimagine end to end workflows. And that is not for the faint of heart. Right. So no, it's not. So that must, and it's very time consuming. Yeah. It requires a lot of people, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I already said I loved working for BP. I mean, people really <laughs> yeah, got go back into on this. That now. <laughs> I know. Okay. I, no, I'm, I'm like doubling down on it because I was just amazed at how much people were willing to, you know, spend the time and effort to do this and to get this right yeah. and to map not just the workflow, but the data flow through that workflow and the decisions that, you know, were punctuated and what was the information you needed to make those decisions and how could you create learning loops and how could you, you know, create learning loops around risk assessment and all kinds of different things. And we had, you know, so many people um, volunteering their time uh, and, and it was kind of their side job, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Sure. Um, so it was really an mm-hmm. excellent experience. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Uh, that, um, yeah. That's fantastic. I, and what, I think it was super value adding um, for, for BP. Well, that's the key, right? Is um, mm-hmm. um, every, every, it should all be tied to some money some way. But I think that goes back to what you said originally, which is, um, you know, one of the lessons coming out of what I just heard you say now is a big piece of the success is it takes dedication and perseverance among the people. Um, and, and at the, at the beginning of this conversation, you, or maybe it was when we were talking before this conversation, I don't remember, but, um, everybody knows that we talk before we get, before we come on here. So, um, you said something about, it's not just about the buying tools, right. Um, and, mm-hmm. and yes. that's, uh, um, and, and so this, this perseverance and kind of, you know, the mm-hmm. people have to be really in it for, for the end game, I think yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, let's, so let's, uh, kind of fast forward from, that's really good stuff, by the way. I think it's good to, for people to hear from an actual, not just from, from a tech company saying that or a service company saying that, right. Or, or, or somebody, but somebody who's actually in the operator, you said we were let's see that success. Let's like for like fast forward to um, one day you decided to take this job at Cognite, um, and mm-hmm. and so how so what's how did how did that happen? What, why did you why did you want to uh, leave the 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 glory of the big uh, the big operator and work for this uh, little software company? So um, I think BP is quite far along on the journey. Um, you know possibly in comparison to um, to its peers on the sort of the energy transition and the digital transformation, which I'm, which are very interlinked in my mind, yeah, they are extremely yeah. interlinked and more and more companies are starting to realize how interlinked they are. Right. Um, and I was involved in both of those elements. I was, I was also involved in the, the sort of the huge strategic change that BP um, has been working on really for about, five years, which they announced last year to, to go from being an integrated oil and gas company to being an integrated energy company. Energy company. And, and yes. yeah, and they digest, they, they divested a lot of their um, assets and bought into and, and started making investments in a lot of renewables and, and battery charging and uh, partnering with cities to do holistic solutions and all kinds of really interesting stuff. So it was a huge strategic shift. Um, 
And I think that there's other companies that are also doing the same. Um, Lundin, one of the Cognite's customers, has just announced a really interesting sort of carbon neutral platform that mm-hmm. they've just launched. And um, Shell is doing some other really interesting things. Um, Exxon even has made some, uh, you know, carbon capture sequestration, oh, yeah. right, uh, right. you know, projects that they've just announced. So, I mean, I, I feel like BP kind of was the first one out of the gate and then there was kind of a floodgate that opened there sure. um, last year. Um, but I wanted to take the learnings from that strategic thinking and the implementation of that, plus the learning from the digital transformation and help other companies that weren't maybe as, um, you know, as far along on the journey. Um, and I, I really felt like I, in my mind, um, the digital transformation and, and the energy transition are both data problems. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know most people, when they think digital transformation, they're thinking tools and IOT and a whole bunch of other stuff, but actually all of that requires a data operation um, that we don't have in place. And people jump to a tool solution when really what they need is a data solution. Yeah. Um, and so I felt that Cognite really had that right, that they what they provide as far as a data operations platform that you can sit this technology on, the IoT, the AI, the ML, the you know, citizen mm-hmm. developer platform, all these things, um, you got to get your data in order before any of that is even able to help you. Um, And if we don't, if companies don't pay attention to that, then they're going to waste a lot of money. They're going to waste a lot of money on, you know, insight systems of insight that are not providing the right insights or, you know, providing poor insights because, because their data foundation is shaky. Yeah. And, and when they're, and so the thing that they're doing with the intention of like, like, like reducing uncertainty all you're doing is introducing more uncertainty right because so how do you but and i and i'm you know i i know a little bit about cognite and their stuff but um how do you like before you apply all of the cool stuff right the 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 ai and all the analytics and the like how do you get the data i mean we've we, people have been talking about this for a long time. And um, how do you get the data to be where you need it to be without everybody spending, you know, the rest of their lives in like spreadsheets, importing and exporting and cleaning and, and all of that? What's the, what's the solution to that? Well, so what, what Cognite has done is create algorithms that do that. They ingest data from multiple systems, vendor systems, um, you know, vendor silos that mm-hmm. currently exist in companies. I told you we would um, say silos. They, I knew it was going to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, whether it's SAP or Schlumberger or Halliburton or, you know, even companies own sort of Excel or Oracle databases or whatever they have, um, they're all sort of in little functional silos, um, bring it all into a single platform and then contextualize it. That's what, um, that's what Cognite Data Fusion does. It, it has ingesters that automate the pulling in of that data the recognition and the reading, if you will, of that data, mm-hmm. and then the linking of that data across the multiple platforms. So, um, so one example would be you have well logs that are sequences of 
you know, depths and values, right? right. Gamma ray, for example. Um, and then you have all this well header information that's in some data store about the well itself. You have the trajectory. Uh, you may have, for a single well, you may have 500 documents, Word documents, PDFs, um, pictures, all kinds of other data that's associated with that well is sitting in a SharePoint. Um, what Cognite Data Fusion does is bring it all together so that it, it's all linked. Um, and even by depth, for example, or by uh, well location or XYZ location in the, in the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can query that data. If you're you know, interested in a particular formation that that well crosses, you can go and find all the information um, by sort of digging in at that point in the well. And do you have cuttings? And do you what logs do you have? And what does it say? Um, so it contextualizes all that data. It creates a digital twin of that well with all the data that's associated with it and makes it searchable and okay, discoverable so, so I have to pause and you. also analyzable. Yeah. Right. So I have to pause you because... What you described just described sounds like magic, because and this maybe not maybe not to the casual observer, uh, the things that you just described are not only very different contextually, but they're different structurally, right? So the well the well log data is uh, time series data, and the well header data is like traditional kind of like rows and columns, and the PDFs that you know that's all unstructured data as it were, and then you also mentioned like some GPS stuff, which is structurally even different from that. Yeah. So, uh, so what Cognite has is a data model, a well data model uh-huh. uh, that it's built of all of the different components, and uh, it ingests the data, it looks at it and reads it and tags it by what kind of data it is and then puts it into the model. Okay. So when you, uh, so when you say that it, it takes, it ingests everything and it contextualizes it and, and, and puts it in the, in the model, um, is this, what, what kind of a, what kind of a, like, what are we talking about? What kind of a data structure model, um, is at the heart of this? Whole thing? It's like a, it's like a relationship map, you know, uh-huh. that, that recognizes that, you know, logs belong to wells, um, that logs have depth and then they have values um, and that certain kinds of values for, say, a gamma ray log um, are uh, indicative of sand. Um, you know, so it's got a model in place that um, understands the relationship between all the different components of the data that's associated with the well. Right, right. Okay. Uh, and it, that's just the well example. I mean, it, you know, Cognite has the same example for, you know, a, an offshore facility or um, a, a wind turbine farm, or, you know, they've got models for all kinds of different applications um, and relationship maps for all different kinds of applications. Okay. So, so now it starts to sound a little bit believable and not like so much like magic. And, and I would presume that um, you've got um, like, People are using this, right? Like it's out there. Like, like yeah, it's, it's yeah, actually yeah. There's customers using that so, all the time. So you've seen it work. <laughs> yes, it works. So, yes, it works. <laughs> so, so can we? So, so do you have any? Um, uh, so, any good stories um, in that regard, as far as uh, um, what you where you've seen people be able to like quickly? And here's another thing that's happening in the industry right now, and this comes up a lot: is um, we don't have the 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 tolerance for like long term, like the, the, the ROI, the time to value has to be quick. And, um, um, and in fact, there are some companies that are, that are sort of some of the big long time, you know, well-known companies that are, that are 
being surprised, uh, kind of on the supplier side, right? Who are, who are, who are being shocked by the fact that people are expecting 30 and 60 day, right? Like ROI, at least something we gotta, we gotta see something. So, um, so do, do you have any, any good stories about people that are actually yeah. seeing that value? Sure. Um, so we have an example of a, a client that has, um, I can't say who they are, uh, but they have 30 oil platforms with more than 300 wells that they operate. And they had a, this is a maintenance example. So they had, they didn't have a unified view of all their maintenance activities across these 30 oil platforms mm-hmm. or the ability to, you know, communicate things effectively to the people offshore. So it took us about two months to help them fuse all the relevant data from their multiple systems. So they, were, they had data in SAP, they had a scheduling application, they had work orders, they had uh, you know, uh, special applications for work instructions, they had uh, PNIDs, which are basically right. like a blueprint it's of the, the facilities. Engineering diagrams, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, engineering diagrams. So we took all of that data and we fused it. Um, and what that allowed them to do is to enable them to do efficient scoping, planning, and execution of maintenance. So they could track like over time when things needed maintenance um, and do it based on need versus like just having a regular schedule mm-hmm. of you know right. people coming offshore to maintain things, whether they needed it or not. Um, and what this did is it, it reduced their planned shutdowns by about 30% um, and it boosted their production by approximately 700,000 barrels a year. But in addition to that, it also reduced materials waste and greenhouse gas emissions um, from eliminating unnecessary part replacements, um, you know, more efficient equipment operations and, um, you know, maintenance trips offshore that were avoided. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of benefits from just being able to optimize their maintenance, um, their maintenance planning and scheduling um, using machine learning and AI on this platform. Yeah. That okay, so that's real value. I mean, that's 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 yeah. serious, right? And that's uh, and that and that comes back to the um, what you were something that you were saying before about um, all of this transformation stuff uh, kind of goes hand in hand, right? Um, and mm-hmm. um, in, in fact, I, I oftentimes um, I so I, I people when we talk, everybody says that the oil and gas in, is an industry in transition. But in the news, um, what gets the most coverage, what gets the most limelight is the the new energy stuff, right? The transition to new energy. But what the people kind of on the inside know is there's also a lot of transition going on just in the core business model and in the core operations. Um, sure. And that's all moving. And coincidentally, I think it the, 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 the motion, the, the transition that's happening in the core business is also... Um, uh, beneficial to the transition to being able to uh, adopt new types of energy, and it, this is—I'm I'm just kind of getting off on, on, a, on a rant there. But does that—is that? Is that do, you, do you see that happening yeah. as you as you work with customers? I do, and I, no. And I had said earlier that you know that it, that um, that actually digital transformation and becoming more efficient operators across the board, um, it you know also has. Uh, environmental benefits. Yes, that um, was the clearly. right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I said something along the lines that, um, 
you know, digital transformation and energy transition are both data problems. Yeah, yeah. And they are almost kind of the same problem. They're an intertwined problem, which is a data problem. And one thing that I'd like to add about that on the sustainability side of things is that if you are not really, if you're not tracking your, um, you know, your emissions or your, you know, your sustainability metrics um, in an auditable way, then, you know, you're possibly greenwashing. And that's that's a huge sort of yeah. reputational risk for companies right. because if you can't show that what you've done is actually you know producing a reduction in greenhouse gas or in oil and water discharge or flaring or whatever it is, you're just making claims, um, and that's that's not good. Yeah. And the only way you're going to be able to uh, a lot of companies are using sort of proxies to estimate their emissions. So they're going to their invoices in SAP and saying, oh, we bought this many gallons of fuel, which translates to you know, this many greenhouse gas emissions, but they're not actually measuring it. They're just estimating it yeah, from yeah, their invoices. Right. You don't know how much is in storage. You don't know how efficient the machines are that are using it. You know, Maybe they're losing 50% because their you know, efficiency is down on their machines. They could you know, just increase their maintenance and and increase the efficiency of their machines and reduce their fuel consumption. Yeah. 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 So do uh, you know what I'm saying? Actually measuring something with sensors um, and having raw data to back up your claims is really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, yeah. Now you're getting to where like really where the rubber meets the road, I guess is, is I mean, cause, because yeah. we can, all of this stuff, a lot of this stuff that we talk about with, you know, the data and the AI and the, and like and all the cool stuff that we like, especially that we like to talk about on the other show on the tech show, um, you know, it, it has to get out of the lab and out into the real world applications. And, um, mm -hmm. I was, I was talking with some folks recently, I think it, maybe it was on a, one of the live streams we did recently or something, but somebody said, somebody said, boy, you know, we are great in this industry. We are really good at POCs. We can, we can do POCs <laughs> like all day long, but we call it POC purgatory. Yes, and, but you know, yeah. You can, <laughs> so you know what I mean? You can right? check in anytime you, you want, know, but you, you can, can never leave. You're stuck. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, so it's good. I think it's a great, yeah, you have, it's a good story to say, um, um, yeah, we're getting out there and we're actually causing, uh, these things to, uh, to change the operations and to, uh, to bring not only the, 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 the economic, you know, changing the economics for the industry, which we desperately need, but also, as you mentioned, um, all of the, all of the green stuff to be able to, and, and it gets to another thing too, which is, um, that I always say is, you know, if you want to solve the problem of how to power the world in some new way, then why the first place to, to look is maybe you should ask the people who figured it out the first time. Um, and, yeah. and if we, and if we just take yeah. what we're doing, like you say, we take what we're doing and we adapt it and we, cause we know how to scale stuff and we know how to deal with all these complexities. And like, like if we, we just have to adapt it to the right stuff. And as you said, we do have to solve, this data problem. I like, we can't go any longer in this industry, just shaking our heads and saying, yeah, we got a data problem, right? Like we, we have to solve. Yeah. So fortunately we have customers, I, I mean, uh, companies like Cognite to now to help mm -hmm. us do that. Yeah. Well, and you were talking about the, the POC uh, purgatory thing. And at that example that I gave you about the maintenance, um, you know, we basically started with a POC, which was one asset, um, a thousand work orders and three users. Yeah. Um, and it took two months for us to create the template 
of what the data types were, sure. what the data model was, and how it needed to come in and ingest and what the relationships were, and create the dashboards that the users could then use for optimization. But then once we had that template, we were able to, in two months, so it took us two months to create the first one, but then in two months, we scaled it up to 31 assets, 40,000 work orders, and 300 users. Okay, so that's, yeah. So that's, that's the scale up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. And you, you know, you, it's like you have to have a sort of a templatization mentality. Yeah. Um, yeah. To this. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. That, and that is probably having a templatization mentality. That's probably a good place for us to wrap up because we are getting to that, that point, that magic window where if we, if we keep talking, people might stop listening. They might change the channel. So um, all of this is really, this is really great stuff. And um, so if somebody wants to like learn more about what you're doing, about what Cognite's doing, um, where do they look? Obviously there's a website called Cognite.com. I say it every single time on the other show. Um, what else, where else should mm -hmm. people uh, look or, or how can they learn about some of these things? Um, so they, there's an ASME uh uh, conference that's happening June 9th and 10th. And I'm on a panel to talk about um, these very issues that we talked about. Basically, what are the challenges to digital transformation? Um, and, and it's about big data uh, to big insight. And why is it so hard? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one is uh, the, really a big, uh, a big one is the Ignite, Ignite Talks. Um, that's going to be September 21st to 23rd. Um, and you can go to ignitenews.com and find uh, the information about that. But we have a lot of our customers um, and other big uh, sort of uh, company speakers in this space uh, talking about this very topic. That, that, yeah, that's a good one. Um, um, in fact, I know, I know something about the Ignite event. I, I know that whenever it happens, Nobody at Cognite is available for like a month to, 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 because everybody's <laughs> because everybody's yeah. so busy. It's a it's a tremendous event, and it gets a lot of uh, it gets a lot of uh, it gets a lot of attention. It's a really good really good thing for the industry. So we will put we will put links to the, and the panel. I'm gonna I didn't I didn't realize you got this panel thing going. I'm gonna have to check that out myself. But uh, we'll put we'll put backlinks in in the show notes to all of that. So. That'll wrap us up today. Well, except for like a few more things that I have to say after after we're done here. But uh, Carolina Torres, thank you very much for uh, making time. I think you're yeah, usually you're in Houston, but you're in New York right now or something like that, right? That's why we're on, I on, am. We're on the remote thing. So how how is it up there? Is it uh, is it? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful spring day in upstate New York right now. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, we usually we always. <laughs> I usually do the weather conversation at the beginning, and I forgot this time. It's it is <laughs> it is also beautiful in Houston. Um, we just had like this little weird little like May cold front come through, and so it's uh, it's been mm. it's been quite nice. So you're missing out, but it's nice to know that mm. you've got. Got something up there. All right. So that'll wrap us up. I just have a few more things to say to uh, actually close it out. But Carolina, thanks again and uh, enjoy your stay up there. Thanks, Michael. I really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks. And that'll do it for today, folks. Well, actually, no. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of more things, which I must mention. And the first is thank you again to our sponsor, Top Coder. Check them out if you're not familiar. Um, these guys, uh, they can really help you. They can help you get it done faster uh, and with amazing talent. So have a look. Also, reminder, our street team, OGGN has this thing called a street team. 
Um, if you're not part of it, you need to be part of it because it's fun and it's good for the industry and it's good for you. It gets you out from behind those Zoom calls and uh, and you get to uh, hang out with this uh, this really cool guy named Brian Mon. He is the uh, the leader of the street team. And so you can look him up on LinkedIn. His last name is M-A-H-N. Um, or you can look for OGGN street team. You can also look for OGGN just pretty much anywhere on LinkedIn, uh, on the web, on all the usual places. And you can connect with us and you can find out about all the great stuff that we have going on. We're getting back into the live events business. The, uh, the famous OGGN happy hours are resuming. So... More to come on that. You can also get on our mailing list and find out about everything. You won't miss anything. Now there's uh, one more thing. Well, actually, no, there's two more things. Two more final things to say. And the first is a big thanks to our brand new audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who is uh, adding capacity to our audio team. Usually I would always thank... uh, Thank uh, Mr. Uh, Emin Fikic in the magical land of Bosnia, who always would add his audio wizardry to uh, to the finished product. Here, well, we're growing so much and we're getting so big; it's, it's too much. It's, it's too much work. So, uh, so we now have Mac Roman adding his audio wizardry to the to the mix. So, uh, most likely, it's going to be him on this one. So, uh, when you think about how great it sounds, think of him. And the final final thing is, uh, well, the next thing that you're going to hear is. Savannah Wilson, telling you about the events we have on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20 YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.